what is going on you guys long time no here i know welcome back you're listening to the truth pace podcast i am your host joe jesse i'm gonna get right into it first off happy new year it's 2022 different year same ridiculous stories have you guys heard about what's going on in woodside california there's a silicon valley town called Woodside, California, that declared itself a mountain lion habitat. I'm going to talk to you guys about a story I got out of the New York Times that I thought was incredibly ridiculous. So I'm going to read it directly from the New York Times. For most of a two-hour meeting last month, the leaders of a wealthy Silicon Valley town debated a new state law that vexed them, Senate Bill 9, allowing developers to build duplexes on single-family lots. The same day, the leaders of the town, Woodside, California, declared the entire town a mountain lion habitat, blocking such development. Late on Sunday, two weeks after the announcement, drew outrage from affordable housing supporters, ridicule on social media, and threat of legal action from the state attorney general, the town council abandoned its approach. Woodside's brief era as a self-declared big cat sanctuary was over. Listen, guys, I remember when I first saw this story, I thought it was the most ridiculous thing that I had ever heard. But at the same time, it wasn't that surprising. I'm in the middle of reading a book that talks about black home ownership and one of the topics in that book is about redlining the redlining that was happening in different neighborhoods throughout the united states and of course you know putting you know two and two together my first thought was oh this is a clever way of pretty much keeping out a at this point it's not even a particular you know race group because i looked up on realtor.com and the median listing price for homes in Woodside, California are $5.5 million. You know, it's this isn't necessarily I don't, what your affordable duplexes are affordable. The cost of those in Woodside, California, I don't necessarily know what affordable is out there. But I could imagine that the people in Woodside, California wouldn't want that there because it would probably diminish the value of their homes there, which is most likely the argument. But you can't say that, right? Because everyone deserves an opportunity to live in the places that have great schools, that have great grocery stores, great restaurants, great resources, great recreational facilities and things to do, right? But a lot of people can't afford to live in these places just because most of the places that have those types of things, they're expensive to live in. So I could imagine the pushback being pretty, you know, understandable from Woodside. But to say that you're going to be a mountain lion habitat and that you need to protect the mountain lions is absolutely ridiculous. Now, I understand if you look on a map, Woodside, California is definitely in like near a mountainous area but let's be quite honest all that was was a loophole that these people were trying to expose to try to keep out a particular group of people because they didn't want those 
people impeding on the lifestyle that those people in Woodside, California were currently living. Unfortunately, a lot of people saw through that bullshit and it wasn't going to work. Social media saw through it. And luckily, city council saw through that. And unfortunately for the people of Woodside, California, that one wasn't going to work. But considering that the median sold home price is $4.6 million, my guess is is that there are people who have enough money and enough resources to try to potentially find another loophole to either delay those projects from being completed or make it still unaffordable for people to move in to these affordable duplexes. You guys let me know what you think. I I just couldn't believe it myself, but you know, it is what it is. All right, you guys, we are back. I know a lot of you are starting to get more and more information about the incident that took place in Minneapolis, um, Minnesota, with Amir Locke. And, you know, more and more information is coming out every day. I, you know, I don't know if you want to say unfortunately or fortunately, I guess it's for my own mental health, you know, watching black and brown people, you know, constantly being shot and killed isn't something that's healthy. So I've kind of detached myself from the news because that seems to be where a lot of that stuff is shown. But the Amir Locke story uh, managed to find my algorithm, which means, um, you know, it's, it's definitely something to pay attention to if it's permeating through every place that, you know, I'm looking, even if I'm trying my hardest not to look at these things, you can't really avoid, uh, you know, what's, what's constant, I guess. And what, what stood out about this particular story, I don't want to get into necessarily the details of, um, the case with his cousin Makai Speed, I, I'm not going to get too much into the police and, you know, what they should have done. Rather, I'm going to use that incident as an example um, and show contrast to an incident where I, I was in the same exact situation as Amir when I was 11 years old. And fortunately, I am still living. But it was by the grace of God or really the decision of that police officer that kept me living. I was completely out of control. So as some of you have seen in the body cam footage, The Minneapolis SWAT team serves a no-knock warrant, which is a whole, that's a whole nother segment. I'll probably get into another time. They use a key to open the door. They open the door. They announce themselves. They run in. Amir is on the couch sleeping with a blanket. An officer kicks the couch. Amir pops up holding a weapon, 
the officer makes a decision, fires, I believe, three rounds, kills Amir. So you can go read the story, check the details. At this point, (laughs) I'm not here to try to convince you of anything. There are enough examples. There are enough stories. I'm not here to do that anymore. Waste of energy. I'm going to share my own story because I think a lot of you who find reasons or excuses to try to understand or make sense of this behavior is actually blinding you from the reality of how insane this behavior actually is. So I'm 11 years old, living in Seattle. It's a Thursday. I know it's a Thursday because I'm on the couch in the living room watching SmackDown. I'll never forget this night. It's probably 7 o'clock, 6, 7 o'clock. The sun is almost all the way down, but not completely. I'm on the couch with a blanket watching SmackDown. My sister, 10 years old, she comes into the living room, looks outside from the front door, says she sees a marching band coming down the street and runs into my parents' room. I ignore what she says because Thursday night, 7 o'clock, why would there be a marching band coming down the street in Rainier Beach? At this time, we lived right behind Rainier Beach High School. That marching band was the Seattle SWAT team coming to serve a warrant and search our house and arrest our father. So from the moment my sister said she saw a marching band to the moment I heard Seattle SWAT team was probably, I don't know, two minutes. So there was enough time to hear what she said, process what she said, and then forget about what she said. The door, the front door that we had was made of mostly glass and then a wooden frame surrounding it. So it wasn't the type of door that was ideal to, you know, kind of blast open with the little hammer thing that they have. But uh, for whatever reason, I the door was unlocked and they walked right in. And so just like Amir, the couch we had was facing away from the front door. So your back would be turned from the front door and you'd be facing the television. I'm laying on the couch just like Amir was. And from the time I heard Seattle SWAT team and from the time I saw the first person run in was probably five seconds the next five seconds i'm hearing yelling of people go 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 i'm hearing more yelling the next five seconds and that next yelling is someone screaming at me with a gun at my head 
show me your hands, show me your hands. I'm, you have to under, so you have to understand the SWAT team is trained to run into these places and sweep these areas quickly to try to avoid any kind of danger or conflict. But in that moment, I also realized that these are dangerous situations that these men are potentially walking into. So the mind of a regular human being is that if you're walking into a potentially dangerous situation, you're already going to be a bit hyped up. But as a citizen, my hope would be that the person who's on the gun side of this exchange, or I shouldn't even say that. I only use that example because I didn't have anything. But if I was an example, you would hope that the person whose job it is to remain calm, level-headed, collected, they would do that. They would have the wherewithal to even in a situation as pressure-filled as that, to make a correct judgment in seeing that this is a child. And even in that moment, as I realized I had a gun to my head and someone screaming at me to show me their hands, you kind of wonder, why is this happening to me? I'm just a kid. But in the next five seconds... I see the SWAT team busting into my parents' room. My sister's in that room. Everyone gets zip-tied. <clears throat> We're on the couch, and they're going through the house searching for whatever. But in that moment, you realize that, you know, you're only a kid once there is no threat. And the only time there is no threat is when the police deem there is no more threat. When I was laying on the couch with that blanket, I was a threat. 11 years old, I was a threat. And I remember asking that officer, what did you think I was going to do? What did you think I had? And he said, you'd never know what you could have had. You could have had a knife. You could have had a gun. And I remember my mom. I don't remember what she said, but she was very upset at that comment because we're kids we're kids and sure i guess on the flip side you could look at it as well if i got shot and killed i'm sure some people would blame my dad and say well he should have never been doing what he was doing to put you in that situation sure that's easy it's easy to not look at the reality of some of these outcomes of the result of putting people in these pressured situations rather than really assessing the situation in its entirety. These no-knock warrants, from the moment they are approved, create a heightened level of pressure that doesn't necessarily need to be there, particularly for the officers involved. There's not much pressure 
for the people who are being served the warrants if there's no knock because you're being surprised. And I understand the initial idea of why you would want to serve a no-knock, and it's because you want to give the police the upper hand in being able to come in and apprehend the people that you're looking to get. But the problem, as we've seen over and over again with these no-knock warrants, is that the people that are being served are usually people who live in environments where you don't know if it's the police entering your home or if it's someone entering your home to harm you. And if it's someone entering quietly, not trying to be heard initially, the same thought in the mind of someone living in the home, at least the result is the same in the mind of, well, it's probably someone trying to enter my home and sneak up on me. Why, as the person who feels threatened in the home, do I need to process who is in my home? Because if that person is a threat, by the time I process if they are a threat or not, I could be killed. I don't think anyone benefits truly from those warrants when these things like this happen this could have been avoided I think if they wanted to arrest and question Amir they could have I think they could have knocked announced themselves busted in if need be, and then apprehend him. If he knows that it's the police and has enough time to acknowledge that it's the police behind that door. I mean, from the time you announce it to the time you open the door. But to say you're here right when you're on someone that shit's scary. Could you imagine if your sibling showed up in your house while you were sleeping? But it's not like you woke up and saw them on your couch. They woke you up when you were sleeping in your bed. I'm not saying you'd shoot them. But would you be surprised? Would you be startled? I don't have answers for why Amir had a registered weapon on him while he was sleeping. I don't have answers for that. I don't have answers for why his cousin, Mr. Speed, allegedly committed that crime. I don't have answers for why that officer shot him three times. But I would most certainly like to have answers from 
the Minneapolis police officer, or not officer, police chief, who walked off of that press conference. And I believe the mayor of Minneapolis, I'd like some answers from him as well, because he walked right behind her. Um, you know, these examples make it more and more difficult for people to accept what goes on. Because the truth is, the more and more people try to deny the truth, the more and more examples will feed you to dispel that truth. And soon enough, you'll realize you've been living behind a whole bunch of lies. And then how will you be moving forward? The hope is, is that, well, they like to say woke, right? (laughs) The hope is, is that you'll be able to have more than just a perspective of your own. Be able to see the world through the lens of someone other than yourself. That, that my friend will help you become a better human being. I promise.